Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about augmented reality and virtual reality. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. We like to talk about games. Uh, yeah, this week is going to be AR VR because uh, in honor of Pokemon Go being ridiculously popular uh, for the first week of its use. Uh, but before that... We have some updates on, you know, the uh, various things. Uh, so we have updates on Rune Lords because we played that on Monday, even though it was an anime style recap session, um, <laughs> which, uh, you know, I'm down for any day yeah. of the week. All RP. It's my bread and butter. Um, it was good, too, because it kind of like, you know, we, we had fun with it. Um, if, if any of you watched the broadcast, we... Uh, we just kind of like dicked around for actually. I could start actually putting that episode up on you th- that series up on YouTube because we've got a recap episode. This is perfect. That's true. That is a good start. Right, yeah, I'm going to start. I'm going to start pushing pushing us up to pushing those episodes up to YouTube, so you can you know come in wherever. It'll be great. Um, but yeah, we, we we recapped what had happened so far, kind of intentionally in the most obtuse way possible to fuck with Mark's. Uh, uh, storytelling mechanic which that was, was that was really funny <laughs> which is like the fo- the forest narrating what we were doing i took a lot of pride in the fact that i barely ever broke character like yeah. anytime anybody said at something out of character i always called them on it yeah uh, there, there were there, there was what what did what did con uh, say there was something that con said that was just like what I, I can't remember what it was but it was, it was just something so like phenomenally like Khan slash Enoch, like, it, it was just yeah, kind of like... Yeah, no, I know like, exactly, yeah. Uh, but uh, since we can't remember it, watch the episode to find out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll come back to, uh, maybe we'll come back to it. Yeah, but it, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. We, uh, we remembered everything that we had done and got some hints as to what was to come. Um, and we got Mythic Power, which I'm kind of excited for. I that kind of came out of left field. I really didn't expect that, but uh, yeah, we did get mythic power, and I have no understanding of this system kind of at all. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm excited to kind of dig in and see what's uh, see what's in store. I am too. Mark Marcus traditionally has fucked with it a little bit. He's decreased the mythic power progression, um, which I think is understandable. I think it maybe has the danger of making the more passive powers. Um, uh, the more pathic mythic path power is a little bit more powerful as a result, since you don't have as much resource. But uh, like the base use for mythic uh, in in the Wrath of the Righteous game that I'm running for the people in San Francisco, the base mythic path ability, which is add a d6 to a d20 roll for for a uh, mythic power, is super good and used su- super frequently, especially at because you could I think you can use it after the roll is rolled but before the result is revealed. So like if you get like a 14, you can roll the d6. It's, yeah, just if you want to, like, kind of pump it over. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. You can't know if you would have failed or not, I think. I, I need to double-check that. I should probably double-check that for my game as well. Um, but uh, but you can, you know, see... You know, you, you could generally get a sense of, you know, oh, I rolled a, a 22. Maybe I want to add that D6 to really s- make sure that I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's a... It's a I'm I'm excited. I'm excited because it'll be the first time I get to play it. I've only been GMing it so far, um, but it's uh, 
it's, it's I think it's a neat component to use. Yeah, I, I, I have never looked into the system itself, uh, so I am almost kind of intrigued to do that for the first time. Um, I think actually for a lot of us it's like that, so I think it'll, it's also a good way to kind of keep Pathfinder feeling a bit fresh, right? Like we, we've talked about system fatigue before. Yeah, it's a lot that's, of new, that's a new jolt true. into it. It's also funny because, you know, I was uh, – uh, <laughs> to a certain extent I was taking it, – it was, it was kind of like a lot of like emotional whiplash because there was definitely parts where I was taking it seriously, like the RP and everything like that. And then there were other parts where I really used it to try and – like articulate the character development to Kenzo that I had been looking almost for, um, which was nice. I liked that. I liked that we got to spend that that time to almost like. I don't know. I like that. I just got to wag around my my character bone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Um. But yeah, that's uh. That that was our week in RPGs. Hell's Rebels tomorrow, probably today or yesterday, depending on when I, I get this edited up. But um, it that that's uh, I'm looking forward to that. The first the first session of book two. Um, that'll be exciting. Be I'm excited. super excited. I'm so oh god, I'm so excited. There's so much stuff. Uh, there's kind of like. This is this is where a lot of stuff gets to start paying off in a weird way. Um, where we get to kind of like, tr- we, we, like book one, you know, like if, if we're going to buy gears kind of thing, like book one is definitely like a first gear kind of thing where a lot of elements are getting introduced. Um, and I feel like book two is where, th- is where we kind of start cruising, you know, like we're actually moving at a pretty, uh, a pretty powerful clip. It's also, it's also going to be super great because, uh, uh, we have bonus feats. Uh, I think, I think, you know, I was planning on kind of jumping into the whole thing and we were going to just like basically go straight into, um, the kind of mini arc that is like the resurrecting Tonric arc. That's a couple of things, but I think we might actually have to spend, I think there needs to be a little bit of cooldown time before that can actually get going, which is an easy place to fit in bonus feats um, and kind of clean up some of the outlying stuff that needs. Cause like there were, you know, there, there were a lot of cliffs, uh, a lot of plot threads that, that uh, yeah. were kind of left hanging Um and I don't want to start the next – I don't want to hit the ground running re- really here. I actually kind of want to give it the time it needs to make sure that, like, people are, s- like, solidly set before we get back um, into uh, into the super swing of it. So that's what that's what I guess the preview for tomorrow will be. Oof. I'm, I'm excited. I'm very excited. It also depends – yeah, I mean, it also depends on where uh, – some of them are going to be uh, – it's one of those things where there's a lot of things to accomplish, and so how much of it gets done tomorrow is kind of up in the air because I don't really know, you know, I don't know how long it'll take player X to negotiate all the way through their bonus feat RP, you know, in order to unlock that. That could that could be something that happens inside of 15 minutes or something that happens inside of like 45 minutes if it becomes a kind of ordeal. Um, have have so. I told you my 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 sort of half grand plan that's kind of half formed in my head for uh for um Beauregard no at, I, at the what, moment. I'm, I'm excited what is it so the house that we found like essentially the remnants of in the house uh, Victor yeah Victacora. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to have Beauregard like if there's no Victacorans left like restart that house 
Um, because that lets me hook into like essentially essentially disguise himself as like a kind of lesser Victorian, reclaim the house and build it up, and then he can adopt Rakox into the house, and then Rakox can be a noble so he can marry his 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 woman, right? Like kind of like Aladdin. If if you remember the classic, <laughs> yeah, Aladdin. I know I do remember the classic Aladdin. That is uh, clever, uh, very out of left field. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of, so so it kind of like so what, what, the, like the the bigger plan is that like Beauregard has decided like the the way I've decided to go with Beauregard is kind of like this like you know just like barely like like, like maybe even verging towards maniacal like like lust for power and mm-hmm. so it's like if he can control house dick decora and he can control house house joltaro and then he's got his fingers in shadow veil and then if rakox is grateful to him and is married into uh the which the reynolds the reynolds right like that's all like potential like influence that beauregard can have over the city and so that's kind of like his like long-term plan is to be as powerful as possible that um, is uh that is interesting bodyguard's actually kind of interesting because um and you'll see this well i mean maybe you won't see this depends on where we get to but sure. uh, Beauregard's bonus feats actually are like very not story relevant basically everybody's bonus feats are like mo- they are they are mild to very story relevant right like there are some people who are really hooked into kind of like the main plot line the easy answer right is alaric and the Dreamweaver, um kind of thing but beauregard is on the exact opposite end of that just kind of because like the nature of he he's already like like mainlining he's like he's already like main mainlining plot lines right? right i don't need to i don't need to use the bonus fees to inject anything more in that and so i actually like the i i completely rewrote beauregard's bonus feats uh to be almost the opposite of that to a certain extent um oh because he's combat ineffective maybe give him a little bit more in that area or his, something like his, that. yeah his bonus feats are direct i mean everybody's bonus feats are built to do uh kind of to accomplish kind of specific things um ex- you know like uh i can't i can't really give you any examples yeah, but at, you know you know at the end of the day right like the uh the bonus feats that Beauregard gets are very much about okay how can we make this character an interesting character to play in combat um and uh and they proc in very straightforward kind of ways compared to people who you know have to like jump through some uh you know more ridiculous you know like Marigrug, for instance has some hoops to jump through in order to unlock his uh his later bonus feats um and then you know somebody like Weirin, for instance Weirin's just kind of proc naturally as you progress through the story um, so there's a couple of different ways that people will be unlocking their feats uh, and and kind of getting in, you know, getting into the into the swing of thing. But I'm excited for people to get them. Uh, it's a nice excuse for me to like power up monsters and make encounters kind of ridiculous. Um, I hope that some of the bitching about shroud devils will go away uh, <laughs> because I have made some very stupid monsters that I am I am preparing to unleash on the party. <laughs> You know, I think the Shroud Devils were neat. Don't listen to the haters, buddy. I, I don't listen to the haters. I like the Shroud Devils. It's funny. You know what's funny about the Shroud Devils? Um, they started as an RP, or they started as an RP thing, and then I 
I, I, I had this, like, niche in my mind. I basically saw, but really what happened is I basically saw an image, and I was like, oh, my God, I want them to fight this image of, like, this, like, sentient shadow thing. Um, and then I built RP for it, and then I built stats for it because I couldn't match it to anything. So I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to make something up. But uh, uh, that, you know, I have, I have, I have you know, I have... Uh, uh, I've taken my, you know, creating monsters virginity, and I'm going to continue fucking the party. Um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the next thing that happened wasn't an RPG thing. It was actually Evo. Yes. Uh, so how about how about that Evo? Evo was an incredible amount of fun. Um, if anybody listening at home, if you buddy can find it in your heart. To find a love for fighting games, I would recommend it to anybody. Um, it is, like, so, truth be told, me and everyone I went with, you know, friends of the NYS Index and get, and uh, recent guest star Alex Zhao, we went, um, we all dropped in pools. Um, no, <laughs> um, Which one of you did the best? So, so it depends on how you consider it. Zhao and I each won a game in our okay. in our sets. Uh, so, so the way it works is, is it's... Uh, it's best for for Street Fighter, which is what Monarch Auction I played. It's best two out of three games, which are so a game is two is is the best of three rounds, right? There are three rounds, um, and a match is best two of three games. Um, I lost both my matches, but I won one game. Uh, Zhao also won a game um, uh, in Smash Four. He got really bodied in melee, but that was kind of expected just because melee is such an intense game. Um, but in Smash 4, he won, it's uh, four stocks, and it's best two of three four-stock matches, and he won one of those. And he came very close to actually winning that match. Um, he was It was, like, really down to the line. It was him, it was him as Cloud versus a Mega Man. It was very close. Um, but unfortunately, he, he also dropped after two rounds. Um, but technically, Monik got two buys because uh, people didn't show up. So technically, he advanced the furthest in his pool out of any of us. Okay. Uh, and Akshay also got a buy, um, but none of them actually won any anything really. Um, so technically, Monik got the furthest, but in in terms of actual performance, Zhao and I did the best. Um, Fair enough. Uh, what were what was everybody? Uh, what was Monik playing? Monik, Akshay, and I were playing Street Fighter Five. Okay, and, and Zhao, then and then Zhao was playing Smash. I get it. Yeah, both Smash um, games, Melee and Smash Four. Um, have you guys been practicing? Has he been practicing melee? Not really. Um, and he tried to practice Smash Four, but the the internet uh, play for Smash Four is actually really bad. I've heard uh, that actually. Um, and so you really need a dedicated group, and and neither none of us actually put in the time we should have. So this was not surprising. Um, but you know, I'm I'm on the bandwagon to start training right now for next year. Um, because wow, it was geez. a lot. It was a lot of fun. Um. So, uh, I don't know if the folks at home know, but the finals were in the Mandalay Bay Event Center um, with the Street Fighter Five finals being broadcast on ESPN2, which is crazy. I think we went over this a little bit last week, but um, that was actually a lot of fun to watch. Even the games I didn't follow, um, the Guilty Gear, I watched the entire Guilty Gear finals, uh, Guilty Gear XR Revelator, and that game was a lot of fun to watch. Like, like surprising amount of fun to watch, especially for someone who, like, anime games, which is it's an anime game. It had to be very, very mechanics heavy. It was mm-hmm. so good that I got on my phone and I ordered it for 
um, for my, my roommate's PS4 while I was there. I just got it today, and I've been fooling around with that, and that game is freaking insane in the, like, depth of the systems that it has, but it's still, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's still a lot of fun, it's fun to watch played well. Um, and it was cool because in between the different events, they would have, like, people, like, devs come out and talk, and the guy for Guilty Gear, uh, came out, and he, he, he gave the speech, he's like, wow, like, I didn't expect there to be so many people here, um, I'm, tr- I'm really blown away that, like, every, that like, so many people have come out to watch, to watch these games, and then he puts out a trailer for a new DLC character, and, like, it was, like, I don't know anything about it, but the audience just roared, because it's, it's, it's a character that's coming back that was in a previous iteration of the game. Okay. Um, and so the, just, the audience just exploded, and just, like, this huge roar, and, and, the, uh, and the guy was like, wow, I didn't expect the reaction to be that strong. Um, <laughs> and, Fair enough. And, and the cherry on top of it is, is uh, it's coming out tomorrow. Um, free for a limited time, so that 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 got a, a good round of applause too. Um, but yeah, jeez, wow. uh, yeah. I mean, I you know I used to play fighting games. Uh, like I, you know, I've talked about it before. I used to play Soul Calibur uh, way back in the day. But I kind of you know like I almost fell off the bandwagon. I never really got back on. Like I played Injustice. I actually just bought Injustice, like the Ultimate Edition or whatever. With all the DLC characters. Uh, with all yeah, with all the DLC, you know, it was on the Steam sale for uh, for the summer, and I've always wanted to like go back and play that game um, because it has Aquaman in it. Let's be let's let's be real, right? I have a huge. Boner. It's got a, it's got a, Aquaman has a freaking amazing amazing super art in that game. I do, uh, yeah, and they and they had also just announced uh, Injustice Two, where Aquaman was one of the announcement characters, which I thought was kind of crazy. I was like, really? Like, okay. Uh, and he's kind of showcasing. Uh, I think they're bridging the gap a little bit between the kind of classic orange fish scale armor and green pants, and what we're going to be, uh, what we're basically going to be seeing in the movies, which is. Um, you know the uh, the green pants and golden armor with the, like and shirtless golden armor because uh, he's shirtless in in Injustice Two. Uh, they also previewed Atrocitus, which is one of my favorite characters. He's a Green Lantern villain, the Red Lantern uh, Atrocitus, who has just a great name. Like you yeah, know. <laughs> the thing that intrigued me about that game is that they also previewed like a, a loot system. Which... Yeah, yeah, they did, which I think is neat. I think it's uh, neat too. I'm just worried about how that affects the competitive the competitiveness of the game. Yeah, I wonder how it's going to affect that too. The reason I like the loot system going all the way back to Soul Calibur 2 is because the thing that got me super into Soul Calibur 2 was Soul Calibur 2 had a loot system. The um, weapon master mode? Yeah, when you played yeah. yeah, exactly. When you played weapon master mode, you went through uh, you know, as kind of whatever character and you were unlocking different weapons. Um, kind of as you went and weapons would have different kind of pluses and minuses, you know, some of them might have negatives like, Oh, you know, here, here's Keelik, right? He's a staff guy and this has super short reach, right? But it hits really hard. So, you know, you kind of, you don't, you, you don't have as much range, um, but you're doing kind of more damage when you can kind of close that gap. Right. Or you might have like, you know, you might have a weapon that's like, okay, every time it deals damage, it deals 10% damage back to you, but you can break guards with, you know, like that kind of like almost RPG element to it was something I really got into. Yeah. Um, And I'm hoping that it will unlock that kind of thing for injustice too. Yeah, the, the thing the thing I think it was kind of unfortunate about the Soul Calibur Two mode is that like I think there were generally like there was like the Soul Edge, there it was like the evil and the good weapon, and those were like your kind of 
choices or the joke weapon for 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 Kex. But like, oh my god, we used to, I used to play uh, we used to play joke weapon at max HP. Both players play the joke weapon, and you do like you know two hundred percent health. Because right, it would just take it would do like thirty minutes to go through like an yeah. eight man team, uh, but it was a lot of fun because you know all of the joke joke weapons are kind of equally ineffective, right? Um, so it was kind of everybody. Ha- it was just like the the slowest way that you could possibly kill people, and actually kind of one of the most efficient ways to practice um, to a certain extent because like you just you spent so much time in the actual game. Yeah. Um, no, and and I think part of the reason that that worked well, or, or that that could that could work even, is that like there's you know like each character gets like eight or so weapons, and maybe you ban specific weapons or whatever. But like that's all kind of consistent. These kind of get the feeling like they're, they're almost like Diablo drops. Yeah. Like you get like a rare visor, and it gives you ten percent alt charge, and that that if if you want that game to be competitive, you have to have essentially like. The equivalent of, of of a riot account for competitors that just has all the best stuff unlocked they can equip as as they wish. Well, interestingly, when Soul Calibur did it, they actually did it the opposite way. Uh, like the weapon master stuff was all great and fine for single player, but when you played competitive, you only played normal weapons. Right. Um, so you just had your base, you know, samurai sword, your base Kilik staff, your base, you know, Cervantes pistol saber combo kind of thing. Um, so uh, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of thing yeah. were to happen uh, for injustice. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's still neat. Um, I think it's also a way to kind of like I think that the, they're like equipable items. So I think you could theoretically switch up how your character looks with them, which I think would be neat. Like if you wanted classic Aquaman, man, uh, you oh my god. Oh, Jesus Christ. Mango, I can only get so erect, okay? <laughs> like, please. Uh, I mean, because my, you know, my favorite version of Aquaman is kind of the... If you ever watch the like the, the Justice League cartoons, that Aquaman, where he gets his left hand cut off and replaces it with a harpoon, um, is from a very famous run of the comics that was my introduction to the character and why he's my favorite superhero was, like, that, like, 10-year run... Uh, where in the comics uh, his hand gets eaten by piranhas because it's comics, um, and he replaces it with uh, you know he replaces it with this with this kind of harpoon, and that's where that kind of like shirtless shoulder armor Aquaman comes from, um, uh, and he kind of replaced the uh, the golden uh, uh, or like the uh, uh, the orange orange green Aquaman. Right. Uh, and then the trident came into it somewhere along the line. I honestly kind of think that it is injustice that made this change like solidified because he's always had the trident, but it's never been like such an integral part of kind of who he is. And then injustice came out, and Aquaman was dead. There was no Aquaman comic at the time. And then an Aquaman comic came back, and all of a sudden the trident was like he always had it. It was always a part of you know uh, kind of the the fabric of his character and has has been uh forever since so i i you know i can always thank injustice uh i can always thank injustice for that yeah awesome um to bring it back to evo for for a second uh just i wanted to give some uh some love to uh li joe who was a competitor who ultimately lost he was the last american competitor um and espn was playing it up like like you know like he was like the story um his dad was there. It was really cute to watch, and he seemed like he seems like a really cool guy from everything I've seen. Um, but the the winner, the guy who took it all home, 
was uh, Infiltration, who is actually uh, my favorite player. So I, w- I was very happy with that. Um, uh, he's also a Korean, so our, our friend of the show, Barry, was very happy to see a fellow Korean take home the trophy. Um, although I do have to say that I thought that the finals for SF5 were a little bit lackluster because it was all Nash's and Chun-Li's. Like, I guess that's top of the meta right now, and there are only so many Nash mirror matches you can watch watch before you you don't want to watch it anymore. But the final was Nash versus Armika, um, and Armika's a frustrating character, but I think she's fun to watch, so I, at least at least the, uh, the finals had that. But, uh... Like I said, you can, you can go watch those replays on uh, Twitch or YouTube probably by now, um, and I would recommend it to anybody out there to go to go watch the Guilty Gear finals and the Street Fighter finals. Who who's I don't know Nash. What's his like play style? Um, I know I know Armica Mika. Um, so uh, Nash is uh, he's Charlie from the Alpha series. He's like Guile's friend and/or mentor. I can't remember which. Um, he's Charlie Nash. He was known as Charlie in the American version and Nash in the Japanese version, I believe. And so I think he's, that's why he's Charlie Nash. Um, he kind of has like this, he, he, he's got some teleport tricks. It's on his, his, his V trigger. He's got a lot of motion. One of the big things he can do is if he hits you with a certain move, he can drain your super meter, which is unique to him. Um, he's, he's got a lot of like, uh, he just got a lot of a lot of, of ways to cross you up and to kind of like keep you keep you on your toes. Um but I, I think he just ha- he's he he lacks um maybe like a, a, a great wake up option, but I think in in general he's he's got good zoning. He's his his V skill is, is projectile denial. Um I think I think that that's kind of what what what, what is uh What's really pushing him to the top um, is, is kind of like he, he's kind of got everything um, except for maybe like a, a really good like dragon punch type move. But he's got a lot of uh, he, he's got a lot of versatility. OK, fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and the only other thing I've been doing from like a gaming perspective uh, really is playing World of Warcraft. Oh, <laughs> like, you don't say that thing you yeah. were just doing before we recorded. Yeah, I mean, so uh, so at the time of recording, the pre-patch for Legion has been about ten, maybe twelve hours old, um, and uh, and we've been playing with it, and it is. It is neat. It is neat and it is good. Um, I've been having a lot of fun. One of the, you know, like, when I loaded it up, one of the, I I knew there were a lot of changes that I liked in theory, right? Like, changes that I read and I'm like, oh, like, yeah, right. You know, I think we should, you know, consolidate. We should just kind of take buffs out of the picture kind of thing, right? Um, I think that we should kind of consolidate um, buttons to a certain extent and, uh, and, and, and make that a more approachable uh, kind of thing. Uh, and then, but the thing that hit me the most, like the change that like sold me so hard on these patch changes were the animation changes. Uh, I So I play Warrior and Warriors have always just used default, you know, like animations or whatever, entirely straightforward, entirely kind of uninteresting. But now uh, in Legion, all of the different uh, Warrior moves 
have their own animation even ignore pain which is just a self buff right it's it's a self buff that um reduces the amount of damage you take by 90 percent up to a kind of like damage cap like it will block you know ten thousand damage right um this kind of thing even ignore pain has its own animation um and plays its own kind of sound and everything and it is just the greatest thing to just watch uh, to, to, to to actually like visually look at my model, um, play the game. So I'm excited uh, and super down. The new transmog system as an RPer is right up my fucking alley. Uh, I imagine that I will be playing a lot of low level characters to fill out those low level quests to try and get um, good options uh, for my for my transmog. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. What are, what, have, what, have, what are your thoughts? How have you been? How have you been interacting with World of Warcraft? Um. So, uh, as as someone who kind of, uh, I don't want to say say legendary, but like I, I can never play alts. Every time I try, it's like I'll get it to like level three, and I'll be like, well, that's enough of this. I should go play my main character. Um, I've been enjoying kind of the reset of everything. I really like. In some ways, I'm annoyed that my muscle memory is betraying me now because it's like, oh, I don't need to hit – like, one of one of my main buttons – so I, I play Monk, uh, Wind Waker Monk – Wind Walker Monk, not Wind Waker. I don't play the, the fucking flute or whatever the wind, the Link plays in that game. Um, but uh, he – they replaced Jab with Tiger Palm, and Tiger Palm no longer has the buff. So what it used to be is, like, you you do this, this set and the rhythm's all off now and I'm, I keep doing the wrong things. But still neat. I'm glad that there's not a ton of abilities that I have to to, to super worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that, that it's, it's been simplified in that way. Um, I'm really kind of digging into the Tanan stuff and the like shipyard stuff and, the gar- and, and getting back to the garrison stuff. And I think there's enough meat there for me to kind of chew on for a while. I definitely think that stuff is. Uh, I think I definitely think that stuff is pretty sweet. Um, I really liked the whole opening up of uh, the whole opening up of Tanan, and now kind of you know having um, kind of pivoting away almost from uh, Grom as the bad guy to Gul'dan as the bad guy. Uh, to a certain extent, I actually just kind of feel like he's more naturally. What well, yeah, Warcraft is not a good place for subtlety and nuance. I don't think um, in terms of kind of like big overarching story, your bad guys have to be the Lich King. They have to be the Illidan, where they are kind of unequivocally bad almost. Um, and I think this is a little bit of what happened in kind of Miss, uh, you know, Miss Pandaria, where Garrosh is uh, almost cartoonishly evil. Um, is WoW almost demands its villains get to that point in order to feel, in order to, like, feel good and be, and, like, really kind of be, like, the, the core engine block to the, to the story car uh, of, of the game. Um, and I think pivoting to Gul'dan from Grom was, was very successful in that, in that way. Yeah, that's, you know, you're, you're, you're much more into the, the narrative stuff that yeah, I am. we haven't actually done. We really do need to do a lore episode. The the because, the, uh, um, the the issue is is that uh, Akshay and I could not because because of personal issues I couldn't get to see Warcraft the movie, so we missed it and it exited theaters by the time I got back. Is it really out of theaters? Oh, it was God, out of theaters sucks. like two weeks ago. It was it was it was a shame. Um, but uh, as soon as we we can get our hands on, it, I think. Action! I can watch it. I can do my the 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 thing where I go and read all the lore for for a week, and uh, then we can do do that lorgasm 
Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Hopefully, before I, I think I think we should try. We should shoot to do it before the launch of Legion. I think that'll be the uh, the good. The, that'll be a, a, a good good attempt. Um, I'm with you. I think that's uh, I think that's the right call. Um, but but yeah, yeah. I think that's about it for current events. Um, but I will tell you about one other game that I have been playing quite a bit of, and that is Pokemon Go. Um, <laughs> what level are you in Pokemon? Um, I think I'm only like level nine. Uh, I didn't really play at Evo because I didn't want to drain my phone, and there were a lot of dead spaces actually around the convention center. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Strangely enough, I too am level nine, so you and I are about the same same-ish oof. spot. Yeah, my office is also on top of a Pokestop, so I can just kind of sit there and spin that medallion all day. Oh, um, I'm so jealous. Yeah, it's it's great. I am never I I am never want for pokeballs. We uh, uh we do have a pokestop, but it is uh you kind of you you literally have to like maybe walk like two or three minutes away from the uh like not even that you know like one minute will get you close enough to the pokestop. So I can't I can't sit at my desk um and uh I can't sit at my desk and spam a pokestop, but. I can't sit at my desk and spam Pokemon because they spawn on top of me all day long. That's nice. That's <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so that this game, um, you know, kind of breach into our AR VR topic. Um, this game has has kind of taken the world by storm. It's uh, made Nintendo great again. Um, it's like <laughs> there are people. <laughs> That's uh, funny. There are stories all over the world of people stampeding everywhere. The release in Canada on Sunday, I think, took their servers down again. Um, and frankly, I gotta say, the game's not that good. Yeah, like, I. This is this is the most interesting part about Pokemon Go to me. The game itself is incredibly uninteresting, but the fact that it is so popular when it is a yes. buggy, janky mess is ridiculous. Um, well, it's it's, it's, it's the social aspect. I think it hit people our age right in the nostalgia feels. Definitely, right? it's it's only the one hundred original one fifty at the moment, so, uh, you know. All, all of the Gen 1ers who are like, oh, there's only 150 Pokemon are, are happy because they're, they they don't have to worry about, like, knowing what a Vanellix is. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's on smartphones, and our I think our generation is, like, like you know, one of the, the first to kind of, like, really embrace that. And, like, it's right there, and it's, it's so easy to do. And I get, like... I think the fact that I, I guess it's kind of like one of the one of those the social media things where like it doesn't work unless you have like you know a chicken before the egg type problem where like it only works because you have a crowd. The only way you get a crowd is if it's popular type of deal, um, and it just kind of happened, and that's that's kind of incredible. It's incredible to hear stories about like you know uh, the the one the one I like to tell is is apparently like a week ago in uh, down by you. On one of the piers, some oh like, the Santa Monica one, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a war turtle spawned, and like a hundred people go running across the pier to go grab the war turtle. Like and that's 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 incredible, right? Like that's that's crazy. It shows really how mainstream gamer culture has, has gotten, at least in this kind of like easily parsable mobile way. Um, and I think part of it too is like, even though there's not a lot of meat to it, 
there's a lot of grind in it that somebody can easily dig into if they want to be hardcore about it. Like right now, some some of our friends are down in a different part of town hunting Pokemon, right? It's getting people out. It's getting people about, which is great. Um, but again, the game's the game. I don't want to say it sucks, but it's like generic. It's like non-interesting mechanics. It's 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 a purely social phenomenon. Uh, I am. Uh... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I find it, um, it's almost good as a social game in the context of, uh, it's something you can kind of just, like, pick up and pop right. around. And it very much fits into kind of how I like to interact with my mobile games in the sense of, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm sitting in my apartment, right, I'm not going to open up my phone and see, you know, oh, like, you know, is this, you know, I, it's just not something I spend my time doing, right? Um, but when I'm, wa- you know, like, when I'm walking to, you know, I'm walking a half mile to the subway on my lunch break at work, right? Now all of a sudden I have something to fill that half mile with, right? You know, just, and, and even just hitting one or two Pokestops, even just catching, you know, my 5,000, you know, Ekans or Sandshrew, um, it kind of hits the, it hits the button a little bit. Uh, to make itself worth it in my head, I guess. But it is a huge buggy mess, right? Like today, you know, a Marowak spawned and I'm spamming these Pokeballs at the Marowak. And then, you know, it, it, it cuts out. It does that thing where it kind of crashes on the uh, on the Pokeball. So I don't know whether or not I caught it. And I just have to hard reset the whole app um, to see whether or not I actually caught, like, the Marowak. And, like, you know, that's something... That that that's worse than most Ubisoft games. Right? Like, <laughs> you know, like that is the epitome of like buggy nonsense bullshit, right? But I I don't know. It still doesn't. Uh, it still doesn't. Uh, it still takes up my time. I guess I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think I think part of it. I think part of the reason why that like is, is okay. Um, not maybe it's not okay, but the reason why why it, it hasn't been abandoned for that is that it's not ultimately like the the most serious game in, in in the world. Like, it's not like you know you put in a bunch of hours and like you, you you're, you're like because you could have just eas- just as easily not have played the game. Like like so so when a Ubisoft game crashes, it's it pisses it's a pain in the ass because. You know, I set aside, you know, however much time I do to play video games, or I decide to play video game now, and you're actively preventing me from doing that. Whereas this is just kind of like, well, I could have just not done it. So, you know, I guess it's better than nothing. Um, unless I, think that, I think that's pretty fair. I also think that mobile games for, like, our specific crowd are is very kind of, like, untapped potential uh to a certain extent the barrier of entry to these mobile games is exceedingly low right like you know what what mobile games do i even play candy crush right i did i have 25 levels done in candy crush just so i can kind of understand what the hype is about right like or you know you know i have plants versus zombies downloaded that might be what i consider quote unquote the best mobile game i can think of uh, the best mobile like, game is Ridiculous Fishing. If you haven't played it, you should. Um, but that's just very... Maybe strange. Hearthstone counts, but Hearthstone doesn't even count. I, yeah. To me, Hearthstone is a PC game that I happen to be able to play on my phone, right? Like, the, you know, it, all, all told, it is the best mobile game I've ever played, but it doesn't feel like a mobile game. You should play Ridiculous um, Fishing. It's like two bucks. 
Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, I don't know. Clash of Clans. You know, I don't think of Clash of Clans as a particularly good game. I think a lot of it is also like... Um, so, to me, the things that make that make Pokemon Go definitively shit uh, in my head are um, the kind of combination of, like, the fact that it's a grind, right? The, the game requires the grind in order to kind of, like, be right. um, effective... Almost, um, and on top of that, so first, so on, like on one end we have it requires the grind. On the second part, the grind isn't interesting, right? And the third part is, um, wait, what's the third part of my head? Buddy's brain, talk to me, talk to me, fill in this gap. Okay, and then the third part is in order to, uh, in order to like play at the the, the like the top level. Right, you need to grind, but the top level isn't isn't any more interesting, right? I, you know, so the, this happened to me when I had my first gym battle, right? When I had my first gym battle, I thought, okay, well now I'm going to enter into kind of the conventional Pokemon turn-based RPG space. No, you just spam tap your phone and hope that your CP, you know, and hope that your like crazy number calculator behind the scenes is better than his crazy number calculator behind the scenes. And every once in a while, maybe you'll dodge, and every once in a while, maybe you'll hold down to use his special move, kind of thing, right? That to me, it's like that. That is the crazy thing to me. I cannot believe they couldn't make a, a super light version of that turn-based uh, uh, game, and that's what the gym battles were. Because it, to me, I can kind of justify the grind almost if it's I'm grinding and grinding and grinding to unlock these PvP gym battles, which are part of a tried-and-true turn-based strategy formula so, that I can get behind. But it's the opposite. I think the reason they did that, I think the reason that they decided that instead of doing this, uh, a real Pokemon game, we're going to do this kind of tap battle, is it's infinitely more accessible than... Uh, than have you ever gotten seriously into a Pokemon game, buddy? Have you yeah. ever like Dude, done the I, whole stab I, thing? I, I I have at one point in my life. Okay, so just to nerd out really hardcore for a minute, I bought the very first Pokemon Diamond in the country. Right, the very first one of those that was sold in the country. I I own that one. It is currently sitting on my desk actually because I cracked it. <laughs> playing so much Pokemon game, Go made me realize that I want to actually open up my DS, and I've been playing Soul Silver on the side. Uh, but anyway, um, so I and and this was in high school, and we got so into it. We got so into it. We had gym, you know, like all of my friends. We had gyms, and there was an elite four, and it was all PvP, and it never really went. You know, it's kind of this like it's one of those things where um, you know you kind of assemble this this grand thing in your mind, and it never quite materializes in reality. But that doesn't really matter because you kind of replace logistics with raw enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, um, I know what you mean. And, and that's exactly what happened, right? Um, for you know, for Pokemon for me in uh, in high school, I was just God, I was like so hardcore into it. We we, um, we had a gold and silver tournament too, uh, or or we, it, it wasn't a it wasn't to your level, I, I don't think. But we said we're gonna we're gonna fight on this day. Everybody be ready by then. Start with a fresh copy and go. Um, and so it was that was that was similar thing. That's that's how that's how I fell down the rabbit hole of like stab. And, and EVs, EVs. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, EV training, dude, dude. I, I think I, I think I knew that I was hardcore addicted to Pokemon when I was just like sitting for hours on end, breeding, uh, breeding Pokemon to try and get the right combination of like brave nature 
and a certain ability on a Rhyhorn because I was trying to farm a Rhyperior that had the correct uh, kind of like breakdown. But uh, but anyway, uh, so is your point that we're trying to avoid that kind of you know, that that rabbit so hole? I think I, I I think the issue is that like you know, uh, freaking Sally Sally uh, Eye Banker or whatever wants to be able to pick up her phone and maybe tap it a couple times or like throw a couple pokeballs or whatever, and she doesn't care nor wants to care about how all that works, and she doesn't want to like you know not be effective at the game because of that, right? She wants to use her Pikachu because it's a Pikachu and not have to worry about the fact that, like, ultimately, you know, it's probably not as effective as, you know, something with a better combined stat pool or something like that. Um, and I think that's why you can't... That's why we can't have nice things, buddy. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, though, is that that just loses me. You know what I mean? Like, as, like, as a as I a think there, unfortunately, I think there's less of you than there are of Sally Ibanker. Even, even if that's the case, though, I actually think that you can find a middle ground. You, you can go back to the way that, you know, like, Poco, you can remove Eevees, right? Even if you want to do Stab, right? I think Stab is fine uh, to a certain extent. Even if you want to do, uh, even if you want to do that, if you remove Eevees, if you remove Natures, if you dial back some of, kind of, the, the progression that's happened um, since pokemon red you can kind of get back to a place where it's about you know me yeah me facing your geo dude with my polywag right uh and making and making it work because of t- kind of type bonuses but well, um, isn't that where it's at the type bonus is still applying go yeah but i mean you, you have this weird like space i either to me to I, the the furiously tapping the screen to build ult charge or whatever and then dodging it's just that that gameplay is okay as as far as i'm concerned it should be it should be uh it should be turn-based entirely all right so so if the current system was just the same thing but turn-based instead of like this rapid tap stuff would it be a better system for you yeah oh definitely i also think and i and i I also think that you could make uh i also think that you could make an easier case almost uh, kind of about move sets and stuff in order to like, you know, you know, if how many sand true candies does it take in order to teach my diglet dig? Right. Or, or something kind of along those lines. Right. Right. To be honest, I actually, I think one of the biggest problems with the game itself is that the candies are Pokemon specific rather than type specific. I think it is fundamentally bad design that I have to catch 50 Bulbasaur's or whatever in order to evolve my Bulbasaur to, uh, Ivysaur. I think it should be, I need to combine 25 grass candies plus 25 poison candies to level up, right? Or, you know, to get my Charmeleon to Charizard, right? Uh, 25 fire candies and 25, you know, flying candies in order to kind of, like, bridge that gap. Um, I just think it's ludicrous to say, oh, here's Charmander, he's a relatively rare Pokemon, uh, and you want to, you know, you want to level him up to his max kind of level. Well, the only way that you're going to be able to do that is by just grinding his particular rarity, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think I agree with that. Um, I think I like part, part of, part of the thing that, that, that one of my bigger criticisms of the game is that like the kind of bond you have with your starter as like, is like a thing that happens in the game. Uh, yeah. Just doesn't exist. Cause even if it's your starter, it's going to like, 
your first, if you pick Squirtle, right, or you pick Terminator, you pick Bulbasaur, that particular Bulbasaur, Terminator, or Squirtle is probably not going to be the one you use if you end up finding more of them because they're shit, they require way too much investment to get anywhere good, and you'll probably catch a better one if you live in the in an area with, like, like my, my work, Bulbasaur's all fucking day. Um, and I keep catching better ones, right? And if I, I didn't pick Bulbasaur, I just picked Squirtle, but if I had picked Bulbasaur, that one would have been outclassed within, like, 15 minutes of me starting playing this game. That is, um, I mean, that's legitimately what happened to me. I started with Charmander, and, you know, one day, I'm, I'm literally walking from my car to my office, which takes three minutes, um, and I ran into, uh, a Charmeleon, and it's like, well, sucks to be you, starter Pokemon. Yeah. Right? Like, and I think that's, you know, and I do think that that's a huge problem. Um, I think, honestly, that, um, you know, it, it's been recommended to me by a uh, friend of the cast, uh, our boy Enoch, that I just grind XP until level 20 without using anything. And that's kind of like the most efficient way because that's when CPs start to kind of like level off in the Pokemon you catch. And to me, that is a, a preposterous proposal right that i need to uh it's almost a little bit like um you know the old system in riot where you you were encouraged not to buy runes until you were level 20 because you know you needed to save your ip basically uh in order to fill out like tier three runes and everything like that um i think that's just i it's just fundamentally a bad system and it's the exact same system that pokemon has kind of replicated here um and, you know, I, I, it also sucks. You know, playing a game with uh, where the majority of the content is at max level, like, what what kind of game is that? Where you play the majority of the content at max level, they said, coming straight from a discussion on World of Warcraft. I mean, so, I, mean, you should, I get that, right? Yeah, no, I I, 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 I there, there is a that. difference, right? Like, that, that was mostly just me being snarky. Um, but if there, if there, I mean, because we talked about this the other day when we were talking about the leveling experience. I love the leveling experience. Sure. I am literally talking about going back to the leveling experience. I have done dozens of times. It feels like right, just because I want to farm quest rewards for the transmog. Right, that's a grind, but it's a grind I can get behind. It's interesting, right? There's, there's, I, 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 I love that grind to a certain extent. I think that there is a lot of kind of gameplay depth. Uh, to be had there. And look, if you don't like that grind, buy a freaking boost, right? Load your dude up with heirlooms and spam dungeons. It's not hard. I leveled I leveled a warrior from 1 to 60 in four days because I could just spam the dungeon tank queue, right? Um, and, uh, and get two levels of dungeon for most of, you know, most of that kind of experience. And the, Pokemon doesn't have that, you know, it, it doesn't have that kind of... Um, not only that, but, like, hitting max oh. level doesn't make anything better, right? Like, the argument for WoW is when you hit max level, that's when PvP and raids and all that endgame content really starts. Hitting hitting the soft cap of Pokemon, which is 20-ish, all it really does is, like, make lets you do the same thing that you've been doing the whole time, but slightly better. Um, and, and that's not great. Um, I think it's kind of relying on the fact that most people won't care that much. There are very few people that, like the people that, like even the people that go hard on it, won't really be going that hard on it, right? That the system won't fall mm. apart. Um, it's also possible that this will all die out in a little while too. 
Um, oh man, we're jumping right to that. I actually think this will, this is this reeks of fad to me. Um, I think that we will see this fall off in the same way that like. Well, I don't have a good example offhand, but you know, in the same way that other fads uh, right. will kind of will kind of fall off. Yeah, I think so too. Unfortunately, um, gonna try and capitalize on the on the popularity before it before it does. You know, you know it, it's funny because I, I I think I'm actually almost in the minority. It seems when um, I am. Uh, will you know like i am willing and totally fine with spending money on free-to-play games right i think it's a great way to encourage the developer to create more content right i think i like the idea that i can um kind of build up my own like i i, I can fuel my own enjoyment of the game at a rate that I choose rather than the game chooses, right? It's not demanding money up front and then maybe this game sucks and I'll only play two hours of it, right? I can reward this game when it gives me 80 hours of content by putting in free-to-play money, right? Um, and so whenever I play free-to-play games, uh, I, I, I hit myself almost with a litmus test of, is this a game that I'm willing to spend money on? You know, like, am I willing to drop... Uh, if I were to run out of Pokeballs tomorrow, which obviously, you know, I have like a hundred however many Pokeballs, right? But if I were to run out of Pokeballs tomorrow, would I drop five bucks to get however many, you know, a hundred Pokeballs to refill that inventory? The answer is a resounding no. I There's no way in hell I'm ever going to spend money on this. In the same way that in like Candy Crush, right? Never going to spend money on Candy Crush. I'm never going to spend money on Clash of Clans. Um, and I... I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily uh, I don't necessarily see how this is going to have almost the hook uh, that's going to keep people into it uh, in the same way. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that. I, I I definitely agree. Um, it's making money hand over fist now, but I think that that's going to fall off. Yeah, um, I also think, by the way, in. Uh, in um, kind of answer to your uh, concern about uh, Nintendo being back on top, it is uh, this is a very outsourced game. If yes. you actually kind of look at the, how how this yes, this is developed primarily by Niantic, which is a Google spinoff. Yep. And it's in collaboration with the Pokemon Company, which is a third Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, people are really singing the praises of Nintendo, but I am, I'm very much in a hold your horses kind of uh, mindset about that. I think Nintendo moving into the – I think this is good for the company, right? I don't particularly like a lot of the decisions that they make or anything like that, but this is definitely a good one, right? If you were to sell me back – um, if you were to sell me back the Pokemon experience that I'm currently playing on my DS on my phone, I'm with you a million percent, Nintendo, right? I will, I will fork over cash for that kind of thing. Um, but uh, I don't ne- – I'm I really hesitant in the way that people have kind of been uh, almost praising Nintendo for this just because they kind of sort of uh, own, own the skin – to this game's, you know, uh, to, to this game's experience. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, 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 in terms of, like, Nintendo as a company, this is good for their... This is good for their investors. Probably potentially bad for Nintendo fanboys because, like, the investors have been saying, do mobile. Mobile's great. And this just proved them fucking right. And so, 
maybe that'll make me sad in a year when Nintendo stops making consoles and starts making infinite Mario runners. I'll have to kill myself. But <laughs> that would be funny. Um, you know, I, I, I think, um, honestly, I almost kind of think that it would be natural at this point for Nintendo to bow out of the console game. Obviously, that's not happening. We all know NX is happening. Uh, it's tentatively releasing in next year's time, uh, I think. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, I do. I think I think we've been watching and listening to a lot of Nintendo making moves that to me sounds like they should start trying to compete with EA and Ubisoft rather than trying to compete with Microsoft and Sony um, is kind of like almost my tinfoil hat of if I, you know, if I were, if I were leading the Nintendo chip, I would be reorienting myself about, you know, these these properties are insanely successful, right? You can sell Mario games to people. That happens. But when you have to, when you gate these Mario games behind a first-party console, I think you're kind of kneecapping yourself almost in this day and age. And it might be better to just kind of open the floodgates and say, okay, here's a PlayStation Mario game, an Xbox Mario game, right? Uh, you know, a mobile Mario game and start uh, kind of dictating the publisher space rather than trying to dictate the hardware space. But that's just me. That's just my two cents. I'm sure you don't agree. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, so, I don't know. I, I I love Nintendo. Always have. Maybe always will. I don't think. <laughs> I, I, you know, no, so like, I, there, there are things they don't do well. They, don't, they took way too fucking long to get on the HD bandwagon. They take way too fucking long to understand how the fucking internet works. Um Oh, God, yeah, Jesus Christ. This is something that Xbox Live was doing well in the year 2000, right? Like, right. I no, cannot believe, I cannot this believe this is still a problem for them. Yeah, like, I, I just, and I think that, you know, Nintendo makes some great products, right? Like, I think that they make some excellent first-party games, um, and I, I appreciate that they, in many ways, try and push these these the, the the medium in ways that it doesn't right like the wii was the first real set of motion controls and that did very well i appreciated what they tried to do with the wii u um even though it was mostly not you know not like the second screen was not great i think the best game to use it was Star Fox, and apparently that game's not great and very hard to play um and i think that that's the kind of ideal usage for your for your your tablet pad. Um, and I think that their mobile dominance is largely being outclassed by, uh, by, you know, cell phones and iPads. Um, I, I don't know that I see, I, I don't know that I foresee a, you know, quote unquote four DS, uh, being successful. Yeah. Well, the NX is um, supposed to be, I think a hybrid console like home and, and portable, um, in some way. Uh, that, that's all rumors uh, though. Um, wow, jeez. I hadn't heard that, but I don't really keep up on the latest, yeah. uh, you know, Nintendo rumors for obvious reasons. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, I look at my 3DS and I pick it up and I hate the way it fucking, like, my, my thumbs get jammed up if I play it for too long. Um, and, like, I, you know, I think my phone's in a much better experience as well as being something I always have on me. But at the same time, I kind of, like, I want... Nintendo quality level games. I, I want to be able to buy a phone with like a joystick and thumbpads with the same size screen, and like 
get Nintendo quality games on it, right? Like that I think is my ideal word, but I still want it to be my phone. That way I don't have to carry another brick in my pocket type of deal. No, definitely. Um, I'm with you 1000%. Um, but I don't think Nintendo's the company to make, make that phone. And I don't think there's a big calling to have that, that kind of like, like that kind of peripheral that I want on it. Um, I don't know. I want Nintendo to be successful. Um, but I, the thing that worries me about being a potentially a software company is, is, uh, just going the way that, that, that Sega did, which is like Sonic's a piece of trash. He's had two good games in the past 10 years, which is unfortunate because, you know, for all, for all the Sega Nintendo rivalry, uh, Sonic's a classic series. Um, and I don't know. I want it's it's a weird world that we're living in, where the Xbox is essentially becoming a cheaper, lower powered PC in the next two years, um, and all of the titles exclusive to Xbox are being dual released on PC as well. So whatever. And then the PlayStation is kind of like uh, the, the PlayStation thing that's got going for it is. It's exclusives, but that's more resentment than anything else, right? Like, there's nothing that runs on the, on the <laughs> PS. No, no, like, it, it's... It's funny. What, what I mean by that is, like, the thing that was the biggest bummer to me is that Revelator, the game I just bought for the PS4, probably won't come to PC until next June, and there's no real reason for it um, other than, you know, Sony bucks. The PS4 is nothing other than, like, an underpowered PC at this point as well, too. And... You know, I I guess I'd like to see the NES kind of take, fill in that like traditional console space where there's something different about it, but I don't know if they they can do it. Um, yeah, I I definitely get it. I it, it's funny because uh, I too uh, want Nintendo to be a successful company. Contrary to popular belief. My criticisms for Nintendo and especially for the Nintendo fan base, um, notwithstanding, I think that Nintendo, uh, you know, it does have strong, you know, like it, it has strong IP, right? And I do think that its IP is something that it could leverage to uh, power, you know, like to, to powerful levels, right? Um, but I think the turn towards the Wii is kind of ultimately the thing that is... that The Wii is almost kind of, in a weird way, the proto-Pokemon Go to me. Um, because even though the Wii was like a ridiculously high-selling console, right? It outsold the other two consoles just hand over fist, right? Very few... It just kind of became a platform for shovelware. And the people that it seemed that the Wii had appealed to were people that were very fair-weather friends about it, right? The Wii was not breaking sales records for its games, right? The games that were, sell that were you know, selling through the roofs, the games that we think of as being the defining games for that era are games that were almost exclusively at that point on the PS3 and the Xbox because the, the Wii was just not strong enough and it was too weird to kind of make, you know, Red Dead redemption or whatever it is kind of like make itself work kind of thing right and i think that you know and that's 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 not that's not that's a little mistake that gets exacerbated with the wii u and exacerbated with the 3ds where you know these gimmicks and these gimmicks and these gimmicks it's like 
well, this is what made the Wii so successful, but I don't actually think that the Wii's success is the same thing you necessarily want to replicate. Yes, you want to get a console in everybody's living room, but no, you don't want to get a console that just gets, you know, put away in that kind of cabinet under the TV that nobody opens or deals with until somebody decides, you know, that it's spring cleaning and we're going to put it up in a garage sale, right? And so, to me, this is what... This is the point that Nintendo can look at, you know, look at the, the, the gaming landscape and say, you know what, we were movers and shakers, right, 20 years ago, but the culture is moving around us, not because of us. We are just a very shitty, you know, rock in the middle of the river that is having a hard time uh, kind of rolling over the waterfall with everybody else. And so I, I, this is why I'm advocating for kind of the software Nintendo to take over. Hell, maybe, you know, maybe Nintendo just says, you know, Nintendo just does kind of the uh, uh, the Xbox PS3 thing, and it's like, all right, I'm just going to put out a, you know, a computer, and and we're going to play, and we're going to play that game. Maybe that'll be successful for them. I don't know. I think that there's there's a modicum of success to be, to be found in that kind of thing, even though I kind of think consoles are a, a thing of the past. Um, but, uh, but I don't know. That, that is my, that is my, that is my big take. That's my big takeaway from a business perspective on Nintendo. Yeah, my, 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 my great white hope from Nintendo is that Breath of Wind, or whatever it's called, the new Zelda game that they spent all E3 talking about, looks amazing. And if they can bring that kind of quality in the next generation, I think they'll be fine. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, uh, I definitely think that's interesting. Uh, do, I don't. I don't peg that. I don't peg that as a runaway success. Uh, you know, it, to be it's funny. Even like Fallout Four and Skyrim kind of have other pieces to lean on, right? Like Fallout Four uh, gets to lean on the fact that it's also quasi a per- first person shooter, um, so you can kind of get the 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 guns and iron sights crowd in in the room uh, for it. But otherwise, I do kind of almost think that, like, I almost wonder how much breakaway power Breath of Wind has when Nintendo is gating it behind their console. You know what I mean? I I, I don't know. I thought I thought it looked pretty good. Um, it wasn't necessarily transcendent. I think it's I think it's a system seller, but it's a system seller for a console that's ending its life cycle, um, which is a problem. Yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah, that's definitely a huge problem. Well, maybe it'll sell. Maybe this will save the NX. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I don't know. know. Maybe we'll see. It's funny. S- it's go on. Well, I, I you know I do think it's uh, it's funny because th- these things do change on a dime, right? Uh, I don't think you know nobody nobody predicted MOBAs kind of taking over the the, the game space or whatever, uh, and I think that there definitely are quote unquote upsets uh, to be had in the like from a business perspective here. Um, I just uh, if I were to peg an upset in the future, it would not be uh, it would not be the NX. I actually think kind of the sleeper it like I think the sleeper business thing uh, for video games might be the crossplay that that was talked about from. I th- I think Microsoft is on the money when it comes to okay, we're gonna sell our console as a cheaper. Op- it's like a cheaper standardized game option, right? 
Um, but but having that cross play, that interplay between PC and console, to me that seems the most kind of like on the mark for like the future of of stuff. Um, but even that isn't, you know, I don't know. Even that isn't isn't perfect. I I've been kind of um, I've been kind of like hoping for years that Xbox would come in a big way to PCs uh, to kind of rival Steam uh, or even kind of Origin, kind of. Uh, or like Battle.net, but I don't really know that it's gonna. It does not seem to be breaking. Th- it does not seem to be breaking through in the way that it otherwise would have to. Yeah, I agree. But speaking of market changers, um, I think that virtual reality, not augmented reality like Pokemon Go, but virtual reality like the Oculus and your Vive, has the potential to do this. But I think this is another hard sell because it is so goddamn expensive um, to kind of tie this into the, the second half of our topic. Um, I think that Sony is doing the right thing because they're offering the cheapest option. Um, they're offering it on a console that's old enough that you probably have one of them already. So it's not, I don't think, the end of the world to, to per- spend another couple hundred dollars on, on their headset, which by all accounts is the least technically impressive but the most affordable and still gets the job done um have have you used vr at all buddy uh i have used a developer's kit to the oculus rift it made me exceedingly nauseous really yeah i had a very bad time with it i have uh i I have a, a dk um and it works for me in most ways um it depends on like like I, I, I may have said this before, but like games where you move yourself around, like kind of test levels, are kind of weird because you, you're kind of like off balance, like the things don't move quite right. But like I played this demo where you are piloting a submarine, and that felt fine. That felt great actually because you felt like you were there. Um, and there's no kind of like, like there's this weird disconnect, which which you know they're they're fixing. So the, the weird the weird disconnect before I get into it is that like you're walking around in the world. And you see something on the table in front of you, and you go to reach for it, but your hand's a hand and not in the game, so you can't mm-hmm. do that. But the Vive has that, and now the Oculus is getting their their hand controller, so I think that'll be back in it. But I think that I think there's a lot of cool stuff to do with VR, and I like I like these headsets. I think they've got like a lot of promise to them. Um, I think they've got like. A lot of immersion factor that's that's really hard to gauge unless you've actually used it. Um, I think part of the big thing is that the like the DK the DK two, which is what I assume you used, what I use, um, has a pretty low resolution. I think the the, the consumer model has a, has a much better one. Um, but they kind of like immersed in this. You get when you just like you, you kind of feel like you're 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 in you're in there. Which is which is a, a very cool experience to me. Um, so I'm I'm also down on VR compared to uh, I'm a bit bearish on VR kind of compared to the market. Uh, if you paid attention to E3, VR is kind of quote unquote like the thing of the future. But I actually don't think that that's true. I think games are skewing cheaper. Uh, they're not skewing more expensive. And VR is the most expensive option currently for gaming, um, which to me just kind of puts it off. It, it, it's just 
starting the dance with two left feet, right? Um, though I also, I you know, I think it's a good, I think it's valuable space to to turn uh, from like a design perspective and from a developer's perspective. I think that this is similar to kind of um, the progression that you see in controllers from uh, from kind of the late '90s, like from like a history lesson, right? Because in the late '90s, here's you know, in the late '90s, you you have this big jump that's 2D. Right from kind of the SNES and uh, you know the Sega Genesis and stuff like that to 3D, where you get the N64 and the PlayStation, which can both kind of handle 3D polygonal um, engines and stuff like that. And it was a process. People don't remember this, but you know the very first PlayStation controllers didn't have analog sticks, right? That first N64 controller, you know, it it had that weird kind of hybrid. But people remember, you know, the way that you held that controller for most people was one. One thumb on the joystick and the other thumb, you know, on the on the kind of like ABs or whatever. And we very kind of slowly got to the point where we got to the pinnacle of this, which as far as my understanding is basically the Xbox 360 controller. You mispronounced um, GameCube controller. Oh my god, the game control gives me such cancer. Um, How does it give you cancer? It's literally the same thing as the Xbox controller with different shaped buttons. Uh, those those shaped the different shapes are a thing, right? They are awesome how, and perfect and great. I don't. I do not think that is true. I I reject that. I reject that notion wholeheartedly. Anyway, um, but you know, this it, it was a process, right? right? We started in a place where the PlayStation controller was mimicking, you know. It wasn't an SNES controller, but it was a lot like one. Um, and then, you know, we added the anal- the dual analog sticks, right? Uh, we kind the of the N64 controller the- was a hybrid controller, just hard to see because it looked like it required a third arm to operate. But yeah, you can exactly. essentially hold it like a place or like a regular controller and have your D pad, or you could hold it like the way everybody held it because everybody used the analog stick. Yep. Um, you know, and then, and so, and, and my, my point is, right, there's a lot of churning that went into that, right, from, like, a design for, you know, how do we move around? How do we control in a 3D environment uh, compared to how we control in a 2D environment? And it turns out that, yes, uh, dual analog sticks is fundamentally better than, uh, you know, a D-pad. Um, I think we're walking into the same thing, but endlessly more complicated when we're talking about VR and the, the big hurdle is about making the control it, the big hurdle is about making the control scheme natural or like instinctive uh, kind of in the same way that uh, that that happened in the late 90s and that's and that's a process that's going to take time so I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy that GDC and that e3 and whatever are focusing so much on all these different iterations of how VR is kind of working um and uh and kind of moving into the future and i think that down the road we definitely have um the uh i think down the road we will hit kind of the ps2 quote unquote of um you know vr where like there's a big big break into kind of the mass market but i don't think it's going to happen in kind of this first wave um yeah that's my that's my it's my hot that's my hot minute prediction yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think <laughs> I think you might be right. I think it won't have the mass appeal this generation, but I think the enthusiasts will buy into it. Like I think, um, and I think that'll lay the groundwork for for the next handful of years. Um, I think that you can build an Oculus Two and a Vive Two off of the the hype, and and what will happen, what will sell for, uh, for this generation. And I think that's what's important, kind of to get the ball rolling. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I mean, you know, is to uh, is to get through, is to kind of, like, break down some of these barriers. And one of those barriers, by the way, is price, right? Like I said, games are skewing cheaper, and I think that price is going to be a big factor in whether or not this ever hits kind of a... Uh, uh, I think I think that you know if you if we can if we can knock price down, then we will get to uh, a point where VR is kind of worthwhile. But I also think, to be honest, I also think there's a non-zero possibility. I actually think that there's a pretty sizable possibility that VR just kind of becomes the next version of uh, kind of like the Wiimote and the Connect, uh, which are kind of failures not really you know like i mean kind of failures right like where i don't where they are neat critically acclaimed right but don't ultimately have the staying power they are like you know like the movie avatar they're like the movie avatar of right huge you know they 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 are every people like it it's it sells a, a ton right but it has zero cultural footprint right it made it made barely a ripple Right in the kind of uh, in the kind of river of you know the the industry moving forward. I don't know. It, it, I also think that stuff is kind of hard to pin down because yeah, like no, on one end, um, you know, I don't know. I'm 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 almost kind of waiting for. Uh, I'm waiting to be proven wrong, I guess, with the VR stuff. It's just I can't help but you know I just I don't know I just can't help but like connect the dots in my head and come to the same conclusion i want to i want to give it almost the benefit of the doubt but i just have a very hard time doing that yeah uh in a weird way i actually think that ar i i think ar is in a better spot than vr is uh i think there are plenty of other games that can capitalize on the kind of success that pokemon go is experiencing and make you know, and really launch, right? I think you can make a, fun, a a game that sits on that kind of Pokemon Go frame, like AR framework, and 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 if you actually put good game systems on top of that, like incredibly addicting AR hook, you could really, like, really take off. Um, I think I, I agree think. with you, <clears throat> absolutely. Um, I I think it, it'll be hard for a new IP to really capture. The kind of like the zeitgeist. Um, I think, honest, I I think ultimately this this Pokemon Go is kind of a fumble in that it could have been so much more. And I think this was kind of like the big opportunity. Like, what else? What else are we gonna drop? Like Power Rangers. I don't know what 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 other bits <laughs> of nostalgia can we exploit to to get young people interested in a particular game. Um, a game that has real staying power. I think the kind of like the uh, kind of paradox of of these uh, of these games, um, a, like mobile games in general, AR or otherwise, is that they have to be both good and like shallow. I don't want to say shallow, but like they can't have so much complexity as to deter the mass market. Which, which I think is, is is kind of like why Pokemon Go did did the things that it did, um, and what you will see out of a more successful title in in the future, um, is this kind of like simplistic gameplay stuff that anybody can kind of pick up and casually participate in 
at any time rather than having to like invest thought into it like 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 a like a Hearthstone player even would. Um, you know, like you know, you you can't get you can't get Johnny Barista to 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 think hard about his Hearthstone deck if he wasn't already otherwise inclined for it. You need him to be able to pick up like Hearthstone Go and like tap the screen a bunch to get his Murlocs to kill the enemy. Um, maybe not in that simple terms, but it's, it's a difficult thing. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, I think the problem is almost the PVP nature of it. I think if Pokemon, if Pokemon Go wasn't a PVP game, it would be in an infinitely better spot, right? The, the stab stuff, the EV stuff, all that shit goes away in, because like when Pokemon is fundamentally a single player game, right? If Pokemon Go was just, you know... You walking around and, you know, catching and, you know, like catching Pokemon like normal, right? And training them up like, quote unquote, normal, right? The Pokemon, the Pokemon system has been fundamentally the same since 1995, right? Like, that you, there's not that much that you need to tweak about that. And, and you um, don't need to care about IVs and EVs to, to, to beat the typical content in those games. Exactly, right? If you want to beat the Elite Four, right? If you want to beat all, all of the gyms, yeah, you can do that with a team of Sentrit and, you know, Zubat, right? Like, if you just do it in the right kind of way. Um, but when it becomes a PvP space, that's when it becomes tough. Right, that's when uh, the, the the kind of barriers break down. Yeah, I the, think the, the, um, the hardcore the hardcore nerds, yeah, make it inaccessible to the rest of everybody. And look, else. and and you know, I I think that there's a version of this that's PvP that's good, right? I think heart, you know, honestly, look, if you made a, an AR version of Hearthstone, where you know I'm walking down the sh- you know the, imagine I'm thinking about it because I'm thinking of Yu-Gi-Oh um imagine there's that version there's that like Yu-Gi-Oh thing where they have the kind of wrist thing yeah, 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 right yeah, and I they can play saying. I I think there's a version of Hearthstone that uses that that's maybe awesome right you could sell me you could definitely sell me on like an ar hearthstone experience where I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden I run into you know pve Varian Rin and I fight his Hearthstone deck and I get a little bit of you know like that kind of thing right I think that that has a that has a potential to kind of take off um I think I also think that a lot of this has to be kind of skinned in the right way Pokemon Go is very very direct evidence to me um because it's basically built on the bones of another game Ingress right which is also very popular but in a very cult way not a lot of people were talking about Ingress even though I knew plenty of people who were playing uh, uh, playing it at the time kind of thing. Um, where I think that, you know, if you skin that game in the right way, uh, you can definitely, I mean, you can, you can, you can, that's a touchdown, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, all of this stuff is a little bit out of, uh, I think a little bit out of the, 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 it's it, this is like horizon pushing stuff. Yeah, I think, I, and, and I I can also like, as I'm sitting here, I can think of potential issues with with like all the things you're you're like, we could build the regular Pokemon system into Pokemon Go, um, and by we I mean like Niantic could, um, but then like you've kind of got like this top scale like, you know, you have to cap Pokemon at level one hundred, and at that point there becomes a point where you can't really play anymore. There is a point. Like, the way that Pokemon survives is every couple of years, they, they make you restart. 
and start yeah. like hunting for those perfect IVs again. Um, for the hardcore and for the softcore, they're they're not engaged enough to care in the in between. Um, I think that's kind of like part of, part of the problem too. Like this solution that they've come up with is infinitely scaling. Um, I don't think that your your I don't think that your typical game your typical Pokemon game is. Um, and if you make a typical Pokemon game infinitely scaling in that kind of way, I think you close off a lot of the game, I, uh, a lot of the game to your average player. And I think that's uh, in large part why, like, even you can see this reflected even out of the candy system. It's very hard to get a, a particularly strong Pokemon because you have to catch a thousand of the exact Pokemon that you want. And if it's a relatively rare Pokemon, then it's going to take you a while. There, and... uh, <laughs> there was a meme going around earlier on my Twitter that basically split. It was like a, there were like two images. One of them is is um, it's you know like all of these different Pokemon. They're all relatively high, you know, like high powered, right? And the other one is just a picture of like eighty Rattatas, right? And and the top of it is fun versus useful, right? And on the fun yeah. side, you have catching lots of different Pokemon, right? Evolving and powering up your Pokemon. But the useful side has catching the same Pokemon over and over and over and over again, saving candies to mass evolve with a lucky egg, and hoarding your Stardust for that level cap, right? Like that, you know. I think that that divide is very painful painfully felt yeah. um at the at, at kind of like the current outset i think that there's um you know i maybe there's a, a good mmo solution to this right wow defeats that uh kind of curve by expanding rather than by restarting and so maybe if you make it so that your you know all of your you know your charizard and your feraligator and whatever uh can level up to 150 now or 200 with subsequent uh kind of expansions maybe you get um, maybe you get into a good territory. Maybe you make Pokemon a little bit like trading cards and say that, okay, Gen 1 Pokemon are now, you know, they don't work, that you can't fight them in gym battles anymore, right? And you kind of have to start over from the ground up and say, okay, well, now I have to make my team out of, you know, Natus and, and Ampharoses uh, rather than, uh, you know, Alakazam and Pikachus, Um but but yeah, it, 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 I think these are the questions that are going to be ha that are going to be asked and kind of answered in the coming you know six months to a year, right? Um, but for now, Pokemon has, for better or worse, broken down that barrier uh, to entry. Mm. Well, I th think that's most of what all we can say on the topic for now. You agree? I agree. I have. Uh, I, I mean, we've mined this. Uh, ex we've mined this pretty, uh, pretty extensively. Um, I think I've got one more question for you, though, and I'm sure all the listeners at home are waiting to hear. What team are you on in Pokemon Go? Oh, I am on Team Valor, uh, the best team. Of course, really. you are, Red Tard, <laughs> Team Mystic, all the way. All you have for me, all you have. For, oh yeah, you're Team Hocus Pocus, right? Team Fairy Tales, okay. Team, you know, team Smart, <laughs> whatever you say. I honestly, I, I can't imagine what was going through their minds when they kind of broke down. I feel like it must be like a translator error or something. Team Mystic is so. I cannot believe they didn't call that like Team Smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Team Knowledge, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you could you could get me down for Team Knowledge. I think that's I think that's whatever. But Team Mystic is just so weird, especially because it's supposed to be like like the the brainy team, right? Like <laughs> I know, I know, right? 
<laughs> but yeah, at least I, I, I think I, we I can both agree that, that that instinct is the worst, right? That's true. Have you? I I do love these these you know these gifts or whatever. Um, I've I've been watching plenty of them. Scroll across my my Twitter feed. My favorite being a kind of bastardization of the uh, the Simpsons episode where Nelson and Bart are racing an apple and an orange, but the orange is painted blue. So it's like, go Team Valor, and the apple rolls forward. And it's like, go Team Mystic, and the orange rolls forward. And then Ralph Wiggum drops a banana. It's like, <laughs> go Team Instinct, <laughs> right? Like that kind of. I I mean, I even love the ones that are you know uh, detrimental to my 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 Valor brethren. Right, like the one where it's like, oh, Team Mystic and Instinct having a conversation, and then Team Valor comes in and starts shitting everywhere. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I love I, that one. Oh, there, there's one that's like, it's like the 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 divide, like it's, it's the three backgrounds, and it's like Instinct, you know, ferocity, and, and you know, a bunch of adjectives. It's Mystic, knowledge, uh, wisdom, learning, and then the last panel is there is literally nothing good about Valor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, but I I love I, uh. <laughs> I love like you know, the 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 internet will talk about how like you know th- this is another form of tribalism that only serves to divide us. But I you know I have never seen somebody actually like you know like be like dirty red tart. I'm I'm gonna get you. You're not allowed to be on my property, mystics only. Like that that kind of thing. I I like it, it is, it, it's, it's all in good fun. I think it is very friendly. Uh, it's friendlier than freaking sports rivalries. Like I, like you know, I have, you know, I, I might joke about hating instinct in, in red or in and uh, in valor, but I've never wished you know the same type of pain upon them that I do on say like Tom Brady, um, and, and that's I think, I think ultimately that's where it's going to stay. I, here, here's the real question: Do you hate Tom Brady or do you hate Bjergsen more? <laughs> oh, that's uh maybe a better question would be do you hate bill belichick or do you hate reginald so i actually think bjergsen is a pretty likable guy yeah i was whole. gonna say like i can respect bjergsen in some ways i can even respect reginald i think tom brady i think bill belichick is satan and tom brady is like somebody who signed a deal with him um <laughs> like oh my God. like, like funny. In, in kind of like you know Real talk, I think Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are pompous assholes. I don't think I can say the same thing about, like, Bjergsen and uh, and Reginald. Like, maybe now that Doublelift's on TSM, I could maybe say that about him. But he's also still so much of, like, a clown that, like, it's more funny than it is offensive. It's funny. I mean, it's funny because, you know, Doublelift is obviously so famous for trash-talking. But it has been so long since he's actually trash-talked people right and that's still like that's still his identity you know aframu i mean i i take a certain amount of pleasure in this um aframu uh in, in the run-up to their um uh their game versus tsm uh tsm being undefeated and clg being you know a good team in the nalcs but they dropped a few games kind of thing um you know, it was like Travis or Scarla asked Aframu, he's like, oh, like, Aframu, how do you guys think you're going to do against TSM? And, and Aframu was like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, we've been preparing for TSM, so I'm, we're just going to get in there on 2 0 kind of thing, right? It was very, it was, you know, that, that it was very, like, the trash-talky kind of yeah. stuff that I, I, I'm used to seeing. By the way, they got completely shit out by TSM. But, you know, like, the, it's funny because everybody thinks of Aframu as being like, oh, like, this lovable, you know, like... He plays support, and he's re- he's real nice. 
sky kind of thing. He right? wears Everybody's his baseball big... cap backwards and wears that weird funky colored shirt. Right. You know, you're like, oh, support's so easy. This is what we think of with Aphromoo. But Aphromoo has done more trash talking than double lift in the past six months, right? Um, I think, uh, uh, yeah. I, think I, I will say thing. this. I think my favorite thing from last split was the Esports Express article on uh, on Yellow Star. It was Yellow Star's Gmail leak. And one of the emails was Double Lift said, it's, it's like, I said I wanted my sandwiches cut into triangles with no crusts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, I, I, yep. I think that's pretty fairly funny. Anyway, I guess we're at the, uh, you know, we're at our, we're at our, we're at our, we're at our old time limit. limit, time yeah. limit. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for tuning in, dear listeners. Yeah. If you want to send us an email about what you think about Pokemon Go or Bill Belichick or Double Lift, you can send it to us at some derpsplaygames at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash games. You can like us on SoundCloud. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. You can do whatever you want. Um, and you can tweet at us and all of that information. You can join our Facebook page, too. almost forgot about that. And that will all be in the description of the episode. Um, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, uh, on, uh, on iTunes, on the Google Play Store. We should be on all of your podcast apps, too. Um uh, but yeah, I think that's about it. Anything else you wanted to plug, uh, buddy? Nope. I have, uh, I have nothing left to plug. Tune in for our amazing Hell's Rebels game. It's going to be awesome this week. Uh, yes, it will. Um, but with that, until next time, dear listeners. Farewell, dear listeners.